by the time you hear this podcast, you will no longer be the owner of a lonely heart. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we're back with episode 86. Thank you to everyone who's listened so far. We're not on Facebook Live for this episode. Um, mostly because I didn't feel like it. <laughs> Radio only today, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to get our get our downloads up. So we're trying to do it. Uh, we spoiled you. No, not really. We'll, we'll be back with the next episode. But um, uh, thank you to everyone who's listened and downloaded so far. Um, uh, watching us on Facebook Live, sharing it or telling your friends. Um, we definitely appreciate it. If you want to tell people where you can find us, um, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. We also have a website by the time you hear this dot com. Still in the midst of uh, updating it. <laughs> I'm a few episodes behind. Um but uh, the website and the Facebook URL are spelled with the word you, Y-O-U. And if you want to get with us on social media, we're on Instagram. And by the time you hear this spelled with the letter U, because we're upstanding. Yes, we are. And we're not underage. 
No, 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 R. Kelly, you stay away. Yeah. Bad man, man, Kelly. We're too old for R. Kelly, pretty much. And um, uh, you can also email us the same spelling as the Instagram uh, handle. By the time you hear this at gmail.com, where you can send us your comments, questions, concerns, show ideas. If you're an independent artist, we will play your music at no extra charge. And if you want to listen to us on the go, um, whether you're in the car on your commute to work or if you're taking the train or the bus or you want to put in your earbuds so the Uber driver won't ask you a bunch <laughs> of questions to get all your business, <laughs> uh, you can listen to us on the go. Uh, if you have an iPhone, we're on the Apple Podcast app, a.k.a. iTunes. If you have an Android phone, you can find us on the Google Music app. That's the one with the orange triangle. Uh, we're also on the TuneIn radio app and other apps such as Overcast, CastBox, Auto Radio, uh, Satchel Podcast Player, and I think that's all of them. Yeah, I think so. Um, Satchel Podcast Player, of course, you can find out other podcasts that are produced in your area or wherever. You can search by location, which is very interesting. And... If you are looking for different podcasts about certain topics based on the show notes that the podcasts provide, you can definitely find us on listennotes.com. And our last episode, we discussed uh, the Tony, Tony, Tony album, Sons of Soul. So if you search Tony, Tony, Tony in the three different spellings of the band name, you will find... Uh, you should find our podcast listed somewhere down there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, listennotes.com, uh, searching, you can, it's a search engine, uh, basically, for podcasts by searching certain terms and see what uh, what podcasts are talking about the things that you're interested in. All right. So let's get into the music news. Um, not a lot happened this week, uh, but a few big things it was not a lot of things, but a couple of big things, mm-hmm. pretty much. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we'll start with the. Uh, uh, we talked about a couple of times about the Spotify hateful conduct policy, in which they uh, were taking artists off of their official playlists if they were um, alleged to have committed some hateful acts or some. Uh, I guess maybe it were controversial or if they're controversial or, you know, if they did something bad, something mm-hmm. violent, possibly. So, um, you know, a few episodes back, we talked about uh, R. Kelly, uh, the documentary Sex Lies. No, Sex Girls in Videotape. I believe so. Yeah. And Spotify removed him from their Affinity official playlist. Um, the only one I can think, I know they have one called baby makers, like nineties <laughs> baby makers or something. <laughs> so they took him off of that. And, um, they also removed XXX Tentacion probably off of their rap caviar list. Mm-hmm. Um, or any, uh, any, probably the turn any hip hop list with their, yeah. Any hip hop playlist, a turn up or, uh, or, um, some kind of, new generation hip hop mm-hmm. kind of list. So they took him off of that as well, uh, due to his case as far as he battered a pregnant woman. Mm. Uh which I would say that that is considered hateful conduct. Yeah. 
But um, uh, coming from Rolling Stone here, however well-intentioned it may have been, Spotify's controversial policy to reduce hate content and hateful conduct was short-lived. The company announced uh, Friday, so as of this recording, this was yesterday, yeah. uh, that while its policy against hate content remains in place, it will not play judge and jury when it comes to artist conduct. So, uh, I think that's a very good way to put it. We're not going to play judge and jury. Yeah, because the, R. Kelly has not been brought to justice. <laughs> it's just <laughs> things that have alleged Mm-mm. to have happened. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence out there, but he has not been brought to court. You could probably say a city's worth of evidence, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, even though there's a there's a a, a, to, a whole city being complicit in his actions, uh, he ain't been convicted. He has not been convicted. <laughs> so and yeah, they don't want to play judge and jury. And I think to walk this back, honestly, that makes me feel a little bit better. Initially, I thought it was just because everyone got mad, but maybe they just had a moment of clarity. I was like, hey guys, this isn't our place to do this. Right, right. Um, so um there was a lot of concerns of course about whether the uh as it says here the company should be playing the moral police. <laughs> <laughs> so uh a lot of artists were uh had some some criticisms to say the least. Yeah. Um Kendrick Lamar, uh his representative or him may have said something to Spotify, maybe he threatened to take his music off the platform. Yeah. So uh, XXX Tentacion's music was restored to those uh, official playlists. And then on May 30th, uh, Daniel X, Spotify chief executive, admitted the rollout was a flub. And he added that the company could have done a much better job. Uh, they did release a statement um, in which they say we don't aim to play judge and jury. So uh, they did say we will continue to seek out ways to impact the greater good and further the industry we care so much about. We believe Spotify has an opportunity to help push the broader music community forward through conversation, collaboration, and action. We're committed to working across the artists and advocacy communities to help achieve that. Uh, and to say Spotify does not permit content whose principal purpose is to incite hatred or violence against people because of their race, religion, disability, gender identity, or sexual orientation. As we've done before, we will remove content that violates that standard. We're not talking about offensive, explicit, or vulgar content. We're talking about hate speech. Mm. So, um, I think it's it's good that they kind of that they walked this back mm-hmm. and they and they and they owned it. Yeah, they, they owned, owned that they it messed 100%. it up. Yeah. <clears throat> and while to me at first it didn't seem like a great punishment anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, we're just taking you off our playlist, but. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some artists may, I don't, I I don't, I know you mentioned this before that maybe some artists need that kind of promotion to be put mm-hmm. on those playlists. I didn't really see that with R. Kelly he or didn't. XXX and Tasha. No, they're, they're both big enough to where something like that would not hurt them. And I imagine it's more so, um, people were probably more so upset about the people that it might hurt the up and comers Yeah, who would never get that opportunity. You know, I imagine a lot of people have probably been broken by, I have, you know, have broken out because of being put on like the New Music Friday playlist. Yeah. Um, maybe even the Rap Caviar playlist or just whatever, you know, the top 40 playlists, as well as the Billboard official, you know, one, top 100 playlist. So I imagine being pulled from those might hurt you a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it was good. I'm just, so I am curious though, the other side of this, 
you know, will they hear from the mute R. Kelly movement or the the hashtag Me Too movement? Um, because it was kind of like that was who was at the forefront of you know of them making this decision to move forward with this. So now that they've walked it back, you know, does everyone on that side? Who is not as as we've seen? They're not as compromising. They're not as they want to be judge and jury. Yeah. Unfortunately, are they going to look at Spotify as being soft and call for boycotts at Spotify? Well, here's the thing, and I would compare this to um, kind of my, kind of what the NFL does. Mm-hmm. Don't expect these companies to be the police. No, <laughs> like even though even though there are. Um, allegations of domestic violence and other criminal activity. Mm-hmm. I feel like once the actual courts, mm-hmm. the real courts and the real law enforcement, once they finish the case, yeah, it's not up to these companies, someone like the NFL or Spotify to also punish the artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, I can understand if, uh, okay, put it like this. I, yes, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I, but, but listen, <laughs> follow me on this one, okay? With Ezekiel Elliott, something that happened before he even played a game in the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, it was after he was drafted, but this was before the season started. And the law enforcement the actual police did not have enough evidence to con- to continue pursuing this case. Mm-hmm. But because it, uh, just because it looked bad mm-hmm. or it made the, or the NFL felt like it made them look bad. Mm-hmm. They pursued it to where he ended up serving a six game suspension. But it's as if, well, he's got to be punished somehow. So it's like, whose job is it to do that? So like, if the, the police NFL? aren't doing it, then some, uh, some someone needs to do something. NFL, do something. And I, I think that's the same case here. And that's why I get... Even though it looks... I mean, there was some evidence to where it was flimsy at... I don't want to say flimsy. But if the actual law enforcement is questioning the validity... Mm-hmm. How does the NFL like? Well, we're 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 better at you. We're better than you at this. Yeah. So we're going to, yeah. This is enough. And this is where you get those these or these not organizations, not organizations, but these movements. They they want to be judge and jury, as we've seen. They don't they don't care to wait for. I don't even. I don't. I don't want to well, say like, the facts to come out, but sometimes they will. They don't want to wait till the facts come out. Oh no. It's just the, what is the it? facts don't matter. Yeah, we're we're in a society where the facts don't matter. Facts don't matter. Look at who our president is. <laughs> the facts clearly don't matter. He could lie about something right now. He could say that your Ben has a can of Monster, and it's the Pipeline Punch. It's the 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 red pinkish it's can. Really good too. Our president could say that can is blue. And we're like, no, it, the can the can isn't blue. Well, that's but what you think. That's fake that, news. That's what, 
And then like it'll be all these new all these news outlet. Trump thinks this can is blue. It's clearly not blue. And then he'll come out saying it's fake news. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that. <laughs> totally denying it, you know? Uh and even though it's fact, the can is yeah. blue. So uh, the facts don't matter and you know, we we live in society to where if the law enforcement doesn't do something, mm-hmm. People want to keep going to find someone who will do something. So yeah. then it go. It's the pressure of the company mm-hmm. to do something, and these companies are not equipped to play the police. No, they're not. They're not investigating this. They're not. You know, they don't have their own PIs going out and like, all right, guys, we're going to look into R. Kelly, see if this is really true. Come back with their findings, and we'll make a fight. No, no, we don't care. It's it's art. Separate the person from the art, but. That's my only. That's my only concern. There's like you know, and it's a sign of, of just arrogance, mm-hmm. to where, like I said, the like with Ezekiel Elliott, if the police felt like there wasn't enough evidence to move forward, mm-hmm. the NFL just walked. I mean, I know they have investigators who were former police officers or detectives, mm-hmm. but it's like. Well, you know, I, we don't think you did your job. Yeah. So we're going to do your job for you. Well, I mean, it's the, and I hate to say slippery slope because you see this used so many, but I mean, like the Ray, I think the Ray Rice situation started a very slippery slope. I think at that point it was like, once you took the action there, regardless of what the police said, cause she didn't file charges on against uh, Ray Rice, his wife didn't. So you know, even though we clearly have videotape, because before the videotape, they just were going to do a one game. I don't even think they were going to suspend him. It was a two game two suspension. Game. Then it comes out, and it's like, then the vi- now we yeah. got to. Then the tape comes We got to do more. But they had seen the tape. <laughs> yeah, and so. They had seen it. But, but it's, be, the, because it's the it public, public outcry of the public that wants the judge and jury. Well, yeah, he did it, but. And as reprehensible as you might find it, that was between him and his wife. If his wife didn't feel it was, it was a big deal. You can we can talk about as far as law enforcement goes. That's as far yeah. That's as far as it can go. That's in the NFL. Well, that's as far as it could go because his wife won't file a complaint. So literally, that's as far as it can go. So it's just like, what do you want the NFL to do? Like Like the the person. Well, because they have a personal conduct policy. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a little bit different. I don't know. I mean, mean, the other sports leagues have one too. I mean, there have been players who have been suspended for domestic violence in the NBA, mm-hmm. not on the scale of the NFL. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't happened as often, but I understand having a personal conduct policy because you work for a certain company. But I think as far as the, uh, you gotta, you, you gotta know your boundaries though. I agree. Like, and it, and it go and it goes the other way as far as once law enforcement has done their job, you as a company don't have to, uh, you don't necessarily have to do something. Mm-mm. You can distance yourself. You can stop the promotion or whatever, but you don't have to pile on top. Mm-hmm. You know, like with um, the scandal with Penn State. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me a long time to convince people that the NCAA stepped over the line. What, I forgot what all they did. They didn't get the death they, penalty, but they no. They they took scholarships, yeah. took them off TV. I'm like, this has nothing to, to do, do with the people with there football. right now. It has nothing to do with football. Yeah, 
the only they're the only and it's a very small connection to football is that Jerry Sandusky used to work there mm-hmm. and he was and he had his charity uh kind of based at the school mm-hmm. and he wasn't a coach there anymore Mm-mm. but it turned into well this affects recruiting how <laughs> He's not talking to the players. No. He's not recruiting the players to go play at Penn State. It's it's kids. It's mm-hmm. kids that he's that he was messing with. So it has nothing to do with the football team. It's just that he used their facilities. That's not the same thing. Mm. So they I felt the NCAA stepped over the line and that's why Penn State is kind of gotten back into prominence so fast because I think the NCAA realized that that what Jerry Sandusky did had nothing to do with football. Mm-hmm. But just because he was part of the program, it they're like, well, you know, and people felt they had to do something. Mm-hmm. Well, you should take away scholarships. They should get the death penalty. What does this have to do with football? Nothing. So they stepped over the line. <laughs> now, if it was the players being paid off for their silence. Yeah, then that's completely different. Then this has something to do with football because yeah. now, but only because of the of the money that they're getting. Yeah, not anything to do with what happened to those kids. Yeah, <laughs> so they tried to make it connect, and it didn't. And I, I guess that might be where some of the ignorance lies. So because I thought it had more to do with football than it did. So it just it was only because he used to work there. Mm, okay, I did not know that. Um. But anyway, rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all of this because Greg is a Cowboys fan. Don't forget that, guys. Greg is a Cowboys right. fan. See, you didn't listen to anything I just said. I did. <laughs> I, I just know, know that it came from. All right, guys, I'm a Cowboys fan, but follow me here. Stay with me here. <laughs> I mean, people are going to say, well, you only said because you, you felt he shouldn't have been submitted because you're a Cowboys fan. I felt he shouldn't have been suspended. Because it's not the NFL's job to be the police. I know. We've talked about it before. I know. I know. It's okay, Greg. You don't have to prove it to me, Greg. I get it. Okay, if it was if it was Matt Ryan or Devontae Freeman, you would say the same thing. Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> don't suspend Matt Ryan. The MVP. Yeah, you shouldn't suspend them because the uh, Atlanta police already did their investigation. APD. They did not move forward. It's over. The NFL APD. does not need to step in. They corrupt as hell, though. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another story. <laughs> that's a whole other story. But no, I, I agree. I agree. So with Spotify, they didn't have to do anything. No, they didn't. Well, I think they did because I think it made them look bad. I mean, you could, they could have not promoted. Like, I'm sure R. Kelly has a new album coming out. Oh, you mean they didn't have to make the conduct? No, they did not have to make the policy. They didn't have to make the policy. No, they didn't. But as far as with R. Kelly, uh, Will, as far as like if he had a new album coming out Mm -hmm. on their like homepage with any new music release, they kind of just downplay it a bit. Down, like kind of just throw it in there. Mm -hmm. Might surprise some people who are actually scrolling through it. I don't do the homepage, the browse the homepage much. Mm -mm, Me either. Um, I'm usually just going to whatever playlist I just made or searching myself. So. Um, you could su- surprise somebody like, oh, R. Kelly has new stuff. Spotify wasn't promoting it. I but why. I don't think any people, <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to be mad that they didn't promote R. Kelly or they just kind of like stuck it in there between <laughs> two indie bands we've never heard of. Yeah. You know, Portugal, the man. <laughs> no, no, you said it too fast. Portugal, 
the man. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> so um, it's good, but I, I like that they 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 walked it back and they owned it. Mm-hmm. They weren't trying to walk it back and you know try to blame somebody. No, yeah, it was like okay, we we messed this up. Sorry, <laughs> but what we're trying to do is, you know, so it's good yeah. that they cleaned it up. Yeah. Um, and because we recognize that, that's why Spotify should sponsor us. Anyway. Yeah. Get at me, dog. <laughs> We're not whispering that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's look at the charts really quick here. Um, the top uh, uh, Billboard Hot 100 moving back up to number one, despite the week he just had. <laughs> The perpetual Kentucky recruit is back at number one. I read that this is proof that um, you are more successful after you die. That's what someone <laughs> said. <laughs> this is proof. <laughs> um, oh, it's not coming up here, but I saw that he was number one. Okay, I got so, it now. Okay, I was going to say number two is uh, the threat. Number two is the threat. This it is America. Didn't fall far. Um, number three. God's Plan by the Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Number four, Psycho by Sirius Malone featuring Ty Dolla Sign. Uh, I heard that song. I heard that song that I think I was at. I was at the gas station, and I heard that song. It's kind of boring. It it got boring. It got even more boring than after the first time I heard it. I don't know if I've heard it. I, I listened to this the album casually, but I don't know if I heard it. I wasn't paying attention because all the songs sounded like so. Number five, uh, The Middle by Zed, Marin Morris, and Gray. Number six, despite the week he just had, he has a different <laughs> song in the top ten this time. Yes, Indeed by Lil Baby and the Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Number seven, Meant to Be by B.B. Rexa and the Nickelback of Country. Number eight, Booed Up by Ella. I think, I, I'm not sure it's pronounced May or My. Um, Me either. I normally know if I like saw any interviews. Uh, but let's just go with uh, LMI. Um, she's at number eight. Number nine, No Tears Left to Cry by The Strongest Ponytail in the Game. <laughs> and number 10, Fake Love by. We're worried about them. Yeah. <laughs> I heard the. I read something that said they're breaking all the norms of K pop. So hopefully they're breaking the norm of abuse. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> like, let please let that be one of the norms they're breaking. <laughs> yeah, that that that's going to require some some investigative reporting on our part. Somebody call Pusha T. What's going on? I'm sure he can find out. <laughs> <laughs> Get his investigators on it. They yeah. might find something. Um, I mean, they they've broken the norms of K-pop just by crossing over to America. Yeah. And what seemed like a still singing in Korean. Yeah, I can't understand a word, it, and it seemed so seamless for them. Yeah, like it, you know, like it was just like, oh, we're here, you know. But yeah, that's yeah. It's it, it's it's uh, an anomaly because one, it's a boy band. Mm -hmm. Boy bands died in America fifteen years ago. Mm -hmm. Um. Because there are no American boy bands like The Wanted is British, mm -hmm. One Direction is British, mm -hmm. BTS is Korean. Um, Maybe they were biding their time until One Direction broke up. 
Yeah, I, I guess because be I guess you got to have one. There's one boy band that can one. be relevant in America <laughs> at a time. Same rules as a black comedian being a movie star, <laughs> female rappers, and a, and a female rapper. You can only have one of in, of importance. BTS, you're up. <laughs> yep. This is your time. Um, and what is it? They have what seven members? Yeah, this is a pretty big boy band. This like is it's... almost B12 <laughs> from American <laughs> Dad. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> and I think only like one, only and just like with a lot of boy bands, only one of them, one or two of them, get any lead parts. Yeah, that's all. That's <laughs> all you what need. the other guys there for? It's one, two, three, four, five, six. Yes, yeah, seven of them. Good lord! Normally, don't see that. Huh. <laughs> um, let's look at the uh, Billboard 200 with the albums. We're worried about them, but they do have the number one album. Yeah. Uh, Love Yourself, Tear. Uh, I don't know if this is like a sequel album. but I don't know. It's a funny name, though. I haven't listened to any of their music either. I've never heard one song I by BTS. I only heard it because of my fiance. <laughs> some song they did with um, some rapper. I think it was might have been Lil Uzi Vert or something. I don't know. I mean, it's catchy. It's, it, sounds like, it sounds like a very stereotypical EDM dance track. Mm. Like, if you didn't tell me it was BTS, I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, number two, Beer Bongs and Bentleys by Sirius Malone. Number three, Harder Than Ever by Lil Baby. Number four, And Justice for None by Five Figure Death Punch, okay. debuting at number four. Number five, Invasion of Privacy by Love and Hip Hop legend Cardi B. Number six, I, I, I don't know how they're still here at this point. The Greatest Showman soundtrack. Wow. They dropped only one spot, but still they're in the top ten. Probably because of Five Finger Death Punch and Little Baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Number seven, KOD by No Features Ever. Number eight, Reckless by Nav. Um, I, I've heard a lot about him. I haven't heard any of his songs either, but he's one of those... Uh, He's kind of like Post Malone, but with mm-hmm. less hair. I could see that. <laughs> I think he's one of those guys, um, but getting a lot of a critical, a lot of critical acclaim uh, with his music. He looks like a dude I work with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number nine, uh, the Black Panther soundtrack, and number ten, Die Lit by Playboy Cardi. I was just thinking, good for Five Finger Death Punch because that's the dude from um, from um, the documentary Hired yeah. Gun, former uh, guitar player for Alice Cooper, um, and Haley Duff, and yes, yes, and Mandy Moore, and Mandy Moore, yep, <laughs> Jason Hook, Jason, yes, Jason Hook, good for him. Shout out to Jason Hook. <laughs> Shout out to Jason Hook. Good for him. Um. Oh, and and there's just a. I don't know if this means anything really, but Taylor Swift's reputation is at number 14 up from number 18. Did she release a single? I feel like she did. Is she trying to start some beef? Is she going to put out a or, or she's doing the, uh, how pink got to number two last week <laughs> by, um, people getting a digital copy of the album. I wonder cause she is ticket, cause in the middle of tour. tour. Yeah. Maybe. Hmm. I don't see it, but yeah, who knows? All right. So we'll look at the 
Artist 100. They have a top 10 single. They have the number one album. So they're number one in the Artist 100. We're still worried about them, though. Yeah. Are they seeing any of that money? Yeah. Are they sleeping? Are, are they, they sh- are they sharing one piece of bread between the seven of the, them? Seven of them. Do they all have to share the same email? Or can they get two now because they're in America? <laughs> <laughs> two slices of bread. So we'll see what happens with them. Uh, I th- and I wonder if it'll be a situation to where, you know, how like in the seventies and eighties, anyone who was like, because it was at the time it was still the Soviet Union. How they would defect to America mm-hmm. um, by, you know, if they did a show or if they or if they did some competition in um, in America, someone would like when uh, after the after the competition, everyone's getting ready to leave, and somehow that one person's on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking here, so it says they. I don't know. It just says the label, but it says they're worth. Um, somewhere close to a hundred million, but it keeps talking about the label. So I hope well, the label's like, not just pocketing all that money because they probably are. I mean, history shows that the label probably is because, like, um, I know managers get like fifty percent. Mm-hmm. The labels get the other fifty percent. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's I don't, crazy. I don't, I don't think that. I don't think these guys. I don't think these guys individually are making a lot of money. Two of them look like girls. <laughs> and who knows? They Two might them, be. They might be girls. I, I mean, it is Korea. They might be. <laughs> Yikes. Who knows over there. Yeah. Um, number two, Sirius Malone. Do you take him seriously yet? Sort of. Only because his music is mostly slow. <laughs> <laughs> number three, the perpetual Kentucky recruit. Number four, they released an album, Five Finger Death Punch. Future Jason, <laughs> Jason Hook. <laughs> Number five, the retired, unretired 2K Legends. Who, Numbers. Uh, go ahead. How are they still in there? I don't know. No singles, they, no albums. Uh, are they on tour? I don't know. Like, they just don't leave. Like, how are they staying so relevant? Like, do they have people just tweeting about them constantly? Or, I, don't I don't know. know. I mean, their, their music is not part of the NBA Finals because no. they're using J. Cole. I don't know. There's not even much. There's... The last story about them, okay, there was something from June first and the thirty first, but that's before that there's not much. I don't get it. I don't get it. That's weird. They probably get a lot of radio play. Like we're talking so. about the you're talking about the top forty radio play yeah. having a hip hop problem. Probably the most hip hop a lot of these top forty stations get is by playing Imagine Dragons. <laughs> yeah. It's got a nice beat. <laughs> uh no. <laughs> Number six, love and hip hop legend Cardi B. Uh, she was just on a single with Maroon Five, mm-hmm. who we'll now call Adam and the Pussycats. <laughs> Adam and the Pussycats. <laughs> you know she's black in the new iteration of that show, Josie and the Pussycats. Have you heard of Riverdale? Yeah, yeah. She's oh jo- Josie is black. Mm-hmm. Josie and the Pussycats are black. Oh, they're all black. Yeah, all of them. Oh. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's different. It's interesting. I mean, I've only gotten through like half of the first episode because I just I can't relate. <laughs> I, I might give Riverdale a shot uh, 
just because it's supposed to be like a dark, <laughs> I just like the premise. It's a darker version of the Archie comics. <laughs> and it is. And it's just like, but it's a world that we're just not a part of anymore. I, I may have been on the podcast before, but Jimmy Fallon, um, kind of took that and he, he had a sketch on his show where it was like a moody, darker version of peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> So it was like emo Charlie Brown. <laughs> I would like to see that actually. Um, number seven, the most influ- influential artist in black music. So he's still in the top ten. Weddings. Uh, yeah. <laughs> number eight, the Canadian John Mayer. Uh, he had a new single just come out. Yeah, and he's got I mean, an album yeah. coming out too, and okay. he's looking more and more like John Mayer every day. <laughs> number nine, the artist formerly known as Fifth Harmony. And number 10, getting back into the top 10. Look at her. The fake news of pop music. We ain't said that in a minute. <laughs> um, not that we were expecting her to go away forever, but I, I, I thought maybe she resigned herself to the fact that reputation is a flop. Me too. I wonder how much it sold so far. It's probably certified platinum off the top. Um, but it's probably nowhere near what 1989 was, I think. You may have the story pulled up here already, but um, Neil Portnoe yeah. steps down. Two million so far is what it's at now. Oh. Which I don't think it's close to that's, what it that's was. That's nothing. Yeah. Compared to 1989, that is. Recording Academy President Neil Portnoe will step down. So we talked about this story last week. Um, he was funneling money from the uh, Music Heirs. Um, charity arm of the Academy and was using it to cover losses for the Grammys. You know, we talked about the move from, was it from Staples to the, to Radio City Music Hall? Um, so now he has said that he will step down, which we, I think we kind of assumed he'd either get fired or step, he would step down. Well, he's not stepping uh-huh. down immediately. Yeah. He's stepping down at the end of his contract, which is probably after the Grammys yeah. <laughs> next year. <laughs> So I imagine, you know, and maybe that that shows how much money they don't have. They can't buy him out of his contract. Uh, July 2019 is actually when his contract ends. Yeah. So that's kind of that's a long way away, but at least he's not going to ask for a new contract. <laughs> um, but, you know, following the when he said that women in the music industry need to step up mm-hmm. and that he. Uh, is accused of funneling money from the music cares, you know, eh, it's just time, just time to move on, but they, they can't fire him. (laughs) So, um, he is going to step down at the end of his contract. Uh, yeah, that was pretty much Much, it. Yeah. It's not much more to (laughs) do. You know, so, uh, I don't know, man. Do you think that, because uh, there's also another hashtag that I, I hadn't seen before, Grammy So Male, because of a lot of the nominees and performers of this past Grammy ceremony were male. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where Porto's comments came from, that women need to step up. Mm-hmm. But do you think that it, um, I know this isn't the same thing, but... Remember what happened with the Missouri football players who threatened to um, 
boycott a game. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the president didn't um, resign mm-hmm. because of the what the one student who did the hunger strike. Yeah. And I know I put up on Facebook. So the next president has to be black, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think the only person who caught that was Abe. <laughs> and, like, and, and he agreed that the next person had to be black and they did hire a black president. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in this case, do you think the next, um, the next president chief executive has to be a woman? It depends on how seriously they took his comments. Cause it seems like more so what's making him step down is this scandal. Um, yeah. I think it'd be interesting to see a female, in that position. Um, but just because, and I'm just saying this just because it happens, I don't think things will necessarily change. This is a male dominated industry. So it's like on the critical side of it, males dominate on the commercial side of it. I think we've seen more females dominate, dominating the charts than we've probably ever seen in a long time. Cause for the most part, um, women are, being much more successful in the actual commercial side of it, selling records, selling out tours, getting airplay, but still on the, on the critical side, you know, the critic darlings and the awards, you're seeing more males dominating unless, you know, you have your Beyonce's or your Adele's coming out. Yeah. I, 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 I agree in that regard because I believe that, um, as far as like an album. Yeah. You're probably going to listen to a guy more. Mm-hmm. I, that just from the Grammys perspective, you'll listen to a guy's more complete project. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a female artist, uh, you just not. You might hear one or two. You mm-hmm. won't hear the complete project. You might not. Yeah, but they're st- but they're all over, they're all over the radio, um, in rock music uh, <laughs> genre. Let's be honest. That was. Um, probably just as bad at least in the 80s at objectifying women as rap has been known to do (laughs) when they were in the 90s in their heyday is now being more it's not female dominated but you're seeing females have more success in the genre um even though rock for the most part isn't really just as relevant as it it used to be so no it's not it's it's not relevant at all i mean we see five finger death punch debut in the top 10 with their new album Mm mm-hmm it's going to drop to like somewhere in the fifties next week, mm-hmm. unless they do what Metallica did and, and get a free <laughs> digital copy when yeah. they go on tour, when you buy a ticket. Even, and even like traditional rock bands, like a band like Paramore, you know, one of the more successful bands out of the, I guess what post hardcore pop punk emo ish yeah. type music. They don't even really play rock music anymore. They've kind of gone the direction of the, of Maroon five. I almost said the Adam Levine. <laughs> Vinny Blanco got his hands on him. They've gone more in the pop, you know, pop sphere to where, you know, and that's fine. If you want to change, you want to change. And we kind of heard it, you know, coming on their self-titled. But um, that's just kind of what it's become now. Um, But I guess back to the original point, you know, like on the critical side, more men are getting, you know, you know, I don't think Jay-Z really released any singles from 444. Yet he's in the conversation for album of the year. I think story of OJ may have been a single, yeah. but that would have been it. Yeah. And, but like, you know, he's not getting played on the radio, but he's getting, 
um, he's getting oh crap. I think my computer's about to restart. He's getting all of this, um, all of this acclaim. Whereas, like you know, so many female artists in the public sphere, on the radio, you know, on YouTube, on the you know, um, on these award shows and stuff like that. But they're not just getting the awards. It's not. And I guess that's where kind of the you know like you love us, you love us, you love us, but then you don't reward us. It's almost like what the running back that they wouldn't let run one in in varsity blues. <laughs> like you can get us right up to it, and then we're not going to let you run in the touchdown. Like that's what's kind of happening here. Like we're going to adore you, we're going to adore you, we're going to adore you, and then we're going to give it to Bruno Mars, which safe pick. But you know, who's to say there was not a more deserving female artist out there? I don't know. I can't answer that question. I mean, basically, they say the best album by a female artist last year was Lord. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. And it was an album I feel like a lot of people just forgot about. Yeah. Like, did people even listen to her first single? Uh, Melodrama? Melodrama, yeah, okay. I don't know. She was she was a one... Oh, did it have Royals Part 2 on it? Like, I don't know. Like, I think... <laughs> She was somebody who might have been a little overhyped. And I get it that, like, the deep thinkers like her, she was considered, you know, the thinking person's pop music. Um, and, you know, she shuns stardom and, and this and that. Um, but I think she was so, I think, and maybe this is just because people were so hungry for something different that, like, she came out and people just, like, grabbed her, like, oh my God, you did a song with just a beat. You're amazing. And I'm not saying the song was bad, but it's like kind of like pump the brakes. <laughs> you know, what was the, her second single was very average. I cannot think of the name of it, but like all the rappers wanted to get on her remix and the critics loved her. And I'm just sitting there listening like, all right, it's not bad, but like it's it's not what you it's not what we're making it out to be. It's just good. I felt that Born to Die was better than that album. You know, by Lana Del Rey, but you don't see anything about Lana Del Rey getting nominated for Album of the Year. No. So. Uh, so we'll see what happens as far as what the Grammys are going to do next year. And will it become relevant again? Yeah. You know, to where it's a. Now, that would be a way to make them relevant. <clears throat> like, address it, get a female um, as the president and really address it. Yeah, that would that could probably, especially with the Me Too movement going on. That could make them more relevant. But if they don't, I mean, don't expect the Grammys to do to uh, do your fight for social change work yeah. for you. Like, you know, what uh, we mentioned with Ed Sheeran's The Shape of You mm-hmm. was in the same category as Kesha's Praying. Mm-hmm. And people criticize that Ed Sheeran won. Mm-hmm. Because of what Kesha went through, mm-hmm. like don't don't you can't have the Grammy Award do your work for you <laughs> if you're if you're protesting if you're um, you know if you're criticizing mm-hmm. you can't have these awards that that aren't doing anything for you yeah. do the work for you that doesn't represent your work that doesn't represent the Me Too movement well, an award doesn't do that well also the fact that. The Grammys are not there to award the best message. They're there to award exactly. the best composition, the best. And hell, I think that was a performance, wasn't it? That was a performance Grammy. Yeah. Kesha's not a good singer. 
that was a performance Grammy. So they're they're look at what they're doing, what category they're awarding for. If they do decide to make a um, award for best song for social justice, and Shape of You beat out that sounds like an MTV award. <laughs> So it's like MTV. <laughs> and, you know, and for some reason, Ed Sheeran still wins. All right. Then maybe you get a little upset. But like, all right, what was Shape of You about? Like how much he likes bodies? That's not, you know, like that. that's when. But like when it's best pop performance. OK, then maybe we don't need to give that one to Kesha. Like it's just. But you had, like it's not the Grammys job. to like, well, you know, she's talking about something very personal. We saw what happened when they did that. Um, and. I don't know. I still wonder how people felt about it when they gave the award to the Dixie Chicks for ready. I'm not not ready to make nice for yeah. song of the year. I don't I don't think that was the best song that year. It's but not I, even their best song. But I think they were trying to make a statement by saying we understand what you've gone through. You've come through all of this. You made this song. It's not the best. <laughs> that, uh, it was funny. An argument can be made for every album. Or song, or it's every song of the year winner, or album of the year winner, to where they're giving it to you for a different reason other than it was really the best one. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a different reason involved. Okay, um, I don't want to skim over this, but I guess we'll try to be specific as possible, but not spend too much time on the Drake Pusha T beef. Oh man, uh, it oh, lasted man. what three songs. Oh man! This lasted three songs. We'll see what happens. So I mean, it still might not be over. We don't. I mean, the only thing that he's uh, done to respond is say like, "Hey guys, about that blackface picture." <laughs> Kanye has declared the beef dead. <laughs> Did he really? He is. He is. He is trying to be peacemaker here, but he's declared it dead. Um, oh man, that's funny. Give you a quick timeline. Uh, I don't know the exact dates, but I just know the order in which these songs came out. Busha T, he has his new album, Daytona, uh, with the controversial album cover of a picture of Whitney Houston's bathroom uh, after a drug binge, uh, apparently, in which Kanye paid $85,000 to license the photo. Um, but he had his, uh, Pusha T had a song called Infrared, in which he includes a line about Drake. Um, let me see if I can find the, the exact lyric because it was only, um, it was only a line or two mm. that referenced Drake. Okay. I had something. Okay. Um, let's see. He has a line that says, uh, it was written like Nas, but it came from Quentin at the mercy of a game where the codes is missing. So, um, Drake has been accused many times of using ghostwriters mm -hmm. and, um, but yet he has written songs himself. So it, I guess it's kind of weird, <laughs> but you know, to, I guess you're, if you're accusing Drake of using ghostwriters now, um, maybe it's a, it's a, I, I guess that's just an easy joke to make. Yeah. It's low hanging fruit at yeah. this point. But still Drake came back with a, uh, 
with the response to that. Because that I think that was the only line that referenced Drake. Um, because he was, Pusha T was criticizing other things. Um, you know, how the Grammy, he criticized the Grammys. He criticized, um, he criticized the president. Uh, he criticized, um, Shazam, <laughs> you know, he, you know, so it was different. He had, you know, different targets as far as, you know, what the, um, of what was going on in the song, but people did point out his reference to Drake. So Drake came out with Duppy freestyle in which he, he talked about, uh, Pusha T being 40 years old, which I did not know. That's, uh, as far as him, uh, he Drake working with Kanye on 30 hours and pop style and kind of how he, maybe he wrote the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Kanye didn't really write anything for it. Um, he referenced Pusha T's fiance and, um, basically just made fun of him for being old. Who was Virginia Williams? That's Pusha T's fiance. Okay. I'm going to let it ring on you like Virginia Williams. I was kind of like, okay, all right. I let it like ring it. on you is a, it's a double entendre because yeah. uh, that put a, a like basically Pusha T, he proposed. Mm -hmm. So they're engaged. And also let it ring on you is to shoot someone. Mm, that's what I thought. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. So um, that might have been the meanest thing he said. Yeah. Like it was well, the, the thing is like for um what people I guess realized is Drake kind of went the same route that he went with Meek Mill. Yeah. Uh just being he was being dismissive. Mm -hmm. He's like, "Yeah, whatever. You can't really do anything. You can't say anything to me." Which is how he was on charged up at first, which is yeah. why I'm wondering if something else is going to come. Because the Meek Mill one, he destroyed him with two songs, really kind of did it with one. He didn't respond. Drake was like, all right, here's a second one where he like, you know, basically nuked him. So I guess maybe he thought and, you know, <laughs> and everyone was like, or someone said, like, guys, we kind of figured this was going to happen. Pusha is much better than Meek Mill. So, of course, Pusha was like, like, he got he probably got happy footed and was like, yes. Good old fashioned rap beef, and like he couldn't wait to get this out because it only took him what two days to respond, if that. Yeah. And he came with like next level. And well, yeah. I think because people thought it was over because he came up with Duppy Freestyle, and then he came up with another song, "I'm Upset," mm -hmm. which was going to be on his album. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, okay, yeah, uh, this thing with Pusha T is over. Let me put out my next song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he thought he, he won he, it. He thought it was over, and then Pusha T comes back with uh, the story of Adidon and um, Overkill. Man, like it was just well, like <laughs> it was like, it, it, and it was kind of like just 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was over. Like, okay, you call you it were, a haymaker, maybe? <laughs> it was a Mike Tyson uppercut. Like, you got Drake out here. Drake's like, you know, he's he's testing with the jab. <laughs> and I guess he, he missed him once, and he counted with, like, the biggest haymaker. And it's just like, did you have to say all of these things? You couldn't save them for, like, maybe, like, mention one thing and save it for so- another it, song? It was kind of like, <laughs> it was kind of like, push your teeth through a jab. And then Drake came back with a right hook, mm-hmm. but he left himself open <laughs> <laughs> to an uppercut. <laughs> uh, so uh, Pusha T definitely had a counter punch. Um, and there was like each line was seemed to me more, uh, at least at, at least the same amount of viciousness as the next one, yeah. if not more. Um as soon as he said yeah. the M's count different when baby would devise the pie, I hit pause. I was like, whoa, let's get more. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, like even, um, yeah, right. At, like right at the beginning, uh, because Busha T, he, he raps a lot about what, about him selling cocaine. Mm-hmm. He's the only person who sold more, more dope than him. The only rapper to sell more dope than him is easy. <laughs> so, um, he said drug dealing aside ghost riding aside let's have a heart to heart about your pride so it's like okay I, no more ghost writing yeah. accusations okay let's yeah. get to some real stuff <laughs> um, yeah. even though you're like Drake said he's you know come come back to me when you're multi-million mm-hmm. says even though you're multi I see that your soul don't look alive so as reference the song he did with Black Boy JB, Look mm-hmm. Alive. <laughs> the, the M's count different when Baby divides the pie. Wait. So <laughs> Birdman is getting for his money. Uh, your music for the past, past few years has uh, been angry and full of lies. I'll start at the home front. I'm on one. Another Drake song. Mm-hmm. Dennis Graham, stay off the gram, bitch. I'm on one. So he got his dad. Yeah. I think his dad, uh, Drake's dad said something on Instagram. You mentioned wedding ring like it's a bad thing. Your father walked away at five. Hell of a dad thing. I had to, I had to pause again. <laughs> Hit pause again. Like, yeah, I'm engaged. At least, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if they have kids together, but he at least he's married the girl. <laughs> They're past five. Like, <laughs> it's like, ooh. Um, marriage is something that Sandy never had, Drake. Sandy is Drake's mom. <laughs> like he really took it personal here, man. Because uh, Drake had one of his songs um, to where he talks about his mom, who wants to be seventy and alone. So is it like is like his mom is never remarried? Is that Drake's fault? He doesn't want her to get married, or or it's I guess he's living the life that his his uh, or has the same attitude his dad has yeah. for leaving. You know, he says, how are you a winner? But she keep coming in last place. Like, so is it, is Drake like keeping his mom from being happy mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, wanting or being in some kind of relationship? Uh, monkey suit, Dennis, you parade him. A Stevie Hart, Steve Harvey suit nigga made him. Dennis Graham wears some loud suits. Yep. From the Steve Harvey collection. Confused, <laughs> confused, always felt you weren't black enough. Afraid to grow it because your fro wouldn't nap enough. 
Yeah, I think I paused again. There too. Oh boy! Uh, since you name dropped my fiance, let him know who you chose as your Beyonce. Sophie knows better. That's the that's her Instagram. It's yeah. at Sophie knows better. I think. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Clean up right you, but this in, a baby's involved. It's deeper than rap. We talking character. Let me keep with the facts. <laughs> <laughs> you are just hiding, hiding a child. child. <laughs> like he just like, like he's not even a rhyme. He just wrote it. You were no. <laughs> it, it was like he's like baby's involved. It's deeper than rap. We talking character. Let me keep with the facts. Okay. All right, stop the take right here. I gotta, I gotta really, I gotta really say something. This next yeah. line, okay? You are hiding a child. <laughs> Let that boy come home. You are hiding a child. Like that's not even a creative way to say it. No, like You're metaphors. Like, nothing. You are hiding a child. <laughs> so you just so we get this clear, <laughs> no one's confused. You are hiding a child. Um. <laughs> Uh, Adonis is your son. He deserves more than an Adidas press run. So uh, Drake has a deal with Adidas to either sell shoes or apparel. And the lines will be called Adidon, mm-hmm. apparently named after his son, Adonis. Yep. And that's when people are going to find out that he has a son. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do why do we need? Why do you have to sell? And he said this in an interview. Why does he have to sell um, sweatpants and shoes to let people know you have a kid? <laughs> Why do we have to wait until this line drops before you tell people you have a kid? Um, and I was listening to The Right Time with Bomani Jones. We mm-hmm. talked to Pablo Torre about this. Mm-hmm. And the line yeah. that stuck out was like, Love that baby. Respect that girl. Forget she's a porn star. Let her be her. Let her be your world. Yeah. The like that's his, that's his sound. Yeah. That like, you know, every rapper has like a noise, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 a sound or, you know, a yeah. word that's specific to them <laughs> for Pusha T. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and he does it so strongly <laughs> here, but he, but it's only, he's just saying, uh, that's gross. <laughs> but, um, and then like he, he's already, it's like he threw that uppercut and mm-hmm. then somehow a shovel is in the ring now. So he just hit him with the shovel and just, now he's burying him. Now he, <laughs> now he starts talking about 40. Yeah. His producer <laughs> hunched over like he's 80. Tick, tick, tick. How much time he got? Yeah. That man is sick, sick, sick. 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 Six, six, six. Like, <laughs> that wasn't even necessary. No, it wasn't. That wasn't even necessary. But look, but he's worked with Drake for so long. He's like, I know he means something to you, so I'm going to hit him, too. Just <laughs> like the mafia. We'll kill you and your family. <laughs> Everyone close to you. Yeah. Um. Drake has not responded. He still has not responded to the um, to this song. Um, his only responses to the artwork, uh, which was the artwork for the, for the song is Drake in blackface. And it was a, a photo shoot that he did while he was still on Degrassi, I believe. Um, and 
it was a photo shoot that was supposed to reference uh, how hard it is for black actors to get jobs. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a Sudanese actor that was also part of the photo shoot. Mm-hmm. So it was supposed to be like, there's supposed to be some like artistic and social message with it. Mm-hmm. But it still, it kind of doesn't make sense to a lot of people. No. So. Plus, he's not Robert Downey Jr., so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then he kind of referenced that he has a, he has more. Who? That Pusha T has a more. Oh, Lord. So, I think he's just waiting for Drake to respond. I, he's, I don't think Drake can respond with a song. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, some people feel like he's hired private investigators to dig up dirt. And Pusha T tweeted out that uh, 100,000 for investigators, like, that's a lot to look for skeletons that don't exist. You know what he needs to go to? Eminem. Was it, Eminem's not getting involved in this. Why not? For what? Just because. Maybe Pusha T are probably cool. I would like to hear him. Just do. I don't know. Someone said the only thing that Drake could do is respond like "Be Rabbit." <laughs> <laughs> I do live in the trailer with my mom. Yo, he's got to. He's got to like keep hitting himself. <laughs> oh man! Um, I just because I would like to see, but then again, nobody will go it. No one. I mean, Eminem won't beef with anyone. The last person he beefed with was what Everlast. He don't beef with nobody anymore. I don't know what Drake's gonna do. Um. And if he doesn't do anything, then yeah, this is this is essentially over. Um, yeah. Well, the story came out that uh, Kanye says the beef is dead. Uh, this is from TMZ. Um, he tweeted uh, last night that he's never been about beef. He's about love. And says lines were crossed and it's not good for anyone. <laughs> so this is dead now. Um. So, yeah, I I don't think anything is going to happen, but it's going to hurt. Dr- I, mean, he, he, I don't he might not rule the summer, man. I think he will. His his true fans. Well, his his song went back to number one. So yeah. he, there's still a chance. Yeah, I don't think I mean, like, I just I don't think it's, they're going to care that much. Like a lot of his fans probably don't even know much about rap. Who is Pusha T? Or they might say who's Push At is what they might say. They don't know. They're like, who? Like Drake's still the best, and they're gonna go out and listen to his album, and they'll go to his tour, and yeah. But like what, what um, kind of how Bomani Jones broke it down to where it's like this was a beef where one rapper clearly hates the other. Mm-hmm. Pusha T clearly hates Drake, but Drake is like, hey, you know, I'm just a regular guy, and you're, you know, you're a regular guy, you know, let's just let's like just do our own thing. <laughs> It was like in Rocky where like he shows up to fight Thunderlips and um is it Thunderlips? The wrestler? He Hulk shows up to fight Hulk Hogan. Thunderlips. Thunder <laughs> and like Rocky's like, Yeah, it's just a charity match. Yeah, it's just or no, no. Even better. It was like when Drago showed to fight Apollo Creed. Oh yeah. And it's Apollo supposed Creed to be an exhibition. <laughs> and Apollo Creed, um, spoiler alert, and if you ain't seen this movie, how long has it been? Thirty years? Oh, Forty it, years almost? Thirty Three years. Spoiler alert. Apollo Creed dies in an exhibition. That's what just happened here. 
Apollo Creed showed, you know, Drake showed up singing "Living in America" with his trunks on and everything, and this is gonna dance around the ring and throw a couple punches. And Pusha T it was Drago who's just standing there, and then somebody in the background did that little thing that you know they did in Rocky, and then he just starts punching the crap out of Apollo Creed. That's what happened, and that took long to explain. I thought it would, but if you've seen the movie, you get it. Yeah. 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 Drake thought, oh, I'm just going to throw a couple jabs mm-hmm. and kind of frustrate him and, you know, but... In OVO 40, this is just an exhibition, man. Just an exhibition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then someone ended up dying. Mm. I know there's somebody out there, too, who probably just got spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was going to watch it today. Like, tough. Yeah, it some years. <laughs> uh yeah, it's been a few days. I, I don't. I don't think there's going to be another song. Uh, a lot of people want to compare it. Also, stop comparing rap beefs to Jay Z and Nas. Yeah, like that is the most significant one in a recent memory. Mm-hmm. Stop. Don't compare every rap beef to Jay Z and Nas, um, because that was one. It was a different time, mm-hmm. and two, the. Uh, um, people look at the fa- the fans of Pusha T. If you're a fan of Pusha T, they're not a they, 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 the the fan bases don't overlap. No, they. Do I don't not. think not even not not least. very much, if if at all. So, um, yeah, you don't have to compare the rap beefs. This is this is pretty much over, and. Uh, Drake has a lot of he. There's some goodwill he has to uh, build up again. Yeah. Uh, with his fans, um, he's basically pushing. He called him a dirt bag and had proof. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking just because this is funny. Um, after you mentioned like stop comparing it to the Nas Jay Z beef, I'm like, what other beefs can he compare this to? Um, so Rolling Stone has ten wildest rap beefs of all time. And this was published in 2013. So this is a pretty old list. Um, I did not know that Gucci Mane and Young Jeezy were beefing. Hmm. I never knew that. Um, Eminem versus The Source, which is then I had to kind of stop taking this list seriously. Um, the Real Roxanne versus Roxanne Shanti, which I think you talked Roxanne about. Roxanne Shante. Shante, you talked about that That was one, one of the, the early beefs. Um in which everything it was just through songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lil Kim and Foxy Brown, uh, which I didn't that, know they that, were beefing. That's part of that one female rapper at a time theory. <laughs> they were fighting to stay, <laughs> that, stay irrelevant. <laughs> Boogie Down Productions versus Juice Crew. One of the early rap beefs. NWA yeah. versus Ice Cube. That that no, one was pretty weird. real. That was pretty yeah. real there for a second. Um, Jada Kiss versus Beanie Siegel. I did not know this was a beef either. Yep. Um, and I, the fairest comparison that, and, and I, I also heard this from Bomani Jones, it was KRS One versus Nelly. That's what Pusha T and Drake was. <laughs> the hottest rapper at the time. Versus a guy who is not allowed to be we can't look at this guy as the best rapper he's the most successful guy at a time 
listen, kids. <laughs> There's this guy out of St. Louis <laughs> named Cornell Haynes. So St. Louis. <laughs> Ask my tattooist. <laughs> um, That's his real name? Yeah. Nelly's making Okay, <laughs> I go by Nelly, too. <laughs> he had a a very successful, I'll probably say like a four or five year run. It was really over two albums, maybe three albums. Um, he had, he had the success that Drake is having now. And he was never really recognized as the best rapper. And he's, and today, if Nelly came out today and there were no Drake, Mm -hmm. it might be okay to say Nelly's the best rapper because Mm -hmm. of his success. But if Drake came out at that time, we can't say Drake is the best rapper <laughs> based on the music that they made. So, um, yeah, and it's I, I like the comparison of uh, this is K, this was KRS One versus Nelly. Nice. It rounds <laughs> out with Fifty Cent versus Ja Rule at number three, Tupac versus Big at number two, and of course the one that you said should not be compared to Jay Z versus Nas. So, yeah. But then again, Rolling Stone has always got the weirdest, uh, the weirdest list. I, I, look, I, Tupac and Biggie should be taken off any top rap beef list. That was more than a beef because it ended with both of them dying. Yeah, which is never how you want it to end. Like this was supposed to be about music. Yeah, like. When early rap battles like the Roxanne Shante versus um, UTFO or um, uh, Boogie Down Productions versus Juice Crew, it was like, hey, I'm a better rapper than you. (laughs) And this is why. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or, you know, you keep you like we came up with this, uh, you know, you you bite in our style. You're copying us. So you're trash, and this is why. <laughs> you know, those are the kind of songs they make. It was just about yeah. I'm better than you with this. Someone said Fifty Cent should have done this because, like, Fifty Cent would have showed up to, <laughs> to the show to like a rapper's game with this son. <laughs> would have raised him for five years and showed up. <laughs> <laughs> See, Drake wouldn't go to Eminem. He should go to Fifty Cent because Fifty does. He doesn't care. Yeah, Fifty has no. Has no heart. He has, he has no allegiances. <laughs> he just does not. He has no loyalties. All right, he's just threatening to tear apart Western Canada. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh God! Midwest Canada. Okay. Oh man. So, um, that was good fun. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to your earworm of the week, Ben. All right. So, um, you can judge me. I don't care. I said I was still listening to his music, and I did. I checked out the new Kanye West album titled Yay. Yay. Wouldn't Leave is a beautiful track. Um, talks about some of the stuff that's happened to him recently. Also talks about um, how loyal, and I guess it was described as how loyal behind the scenes Kim Kardashian was to him. And that's a, that's a very beautiful thing as well, because, you know, he cops, which Kanye has done in the past. He cops did some mistakes that he made and how she stood by him. I think it's a really cool thing. I thought it was, I think this would, um, I always felt for a while that their relationship was, um, for publicity and convenience. I really, I thought that that was a publicity stunt, 
but I think because they're even though they're kind of they're in the public eye, but I think they're just in the public eye because people take pictures of them whenever they go outside. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, so uh, I think because since they've been together for so long, and it's some and this was someone that Kanye admitted he fell in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, that this is it's real. It's, I think it's very real. <laughs> And uh, that's rare when it's when it's two high profile people. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we're gonna play the song here. Wouldn't leave by Kanye West from his new album. Yay! Featuring what I think, Party Next Door and Jeremiah and Jeremiah are on there. Uh, so. I thought it was Young Thug. Okay, it, that's who it sounded like to me. <laughs> he's, he's just biting the style. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll play that, and we'll be right back. I don't feel that she's mine up. Got a feel I couldn't have you wind up With a fly in my wrist You made pretty women out of my skin And I don't feel like Man, I know you wouldn't leave They said build your own, I said high sway I said slavery a choice, they said hi, yay Just imagine if they caught me on a wild day now I'm on 50 blogs, getting 50 calls. My wife calling, screaming, say we about to lose it all. Had to calm her down, cause she couldn't breathe. Told her she could leave me now, but she wouldn't and leave. I know you wouldn't That's gonna get me sentimental. You know I'm sensitive. I got a gentle mental. Every time something happened, they want me sentimental. We had an incident, but I cover incidentals. You want me working on my messaging. When I'm thinking like George Jesson, but sounding like George Jefferson. Then they questioning my methods in. If you tweaking out on my text again, then I don't get reception here. I got the mind state to take us past the stratosphere. I use the same attitude that ain't got us here. I live for now. I don't know what happened after here. I live for now. I don't know what happened after here. Plus, what was meant to be was meant to be. Even if publicly I like the empathy. I ain't finna talk about it another four centuries. One and one is two of me and you. That's infinity. I don't feel like she's mine enough. God, I feel I couldn't have you wide enough. But a fly in my wrist, you may bring me out of my skin. And I don't feel like. Any guy that ever fucked up, ever embarrassed they girl, ever embarrassed they wife. All right, that is Wooden Leaves by Kanye West from his new album, Yay. And on the cover, it says uh, it has some mountains, probably in Wyoming, where he recorded the album. And it says, I hate being bi- bipolar. It's awesome. <laughs> Um, Ty Dolla Sign is also on this song as well. So, mm. but yeah, this is so far this is my favorite track off of the album. 
Um, he's got some. He's got some songs with some good rhymes in them, like some good bars. I guess is the is what you say now. But I think as far as a complete song, this is my favorite. I probably say the best song on the album from a complete sense. You know, with as far as you know the music, the the, the lyrics, what he's talking about. It's just. You know, you would hope that even though it just happened, I guess that's the beauty about technology. And when you're producing your own work, this happened last month and it's in his album that came out this month. And it's really cool just to hear him. You know, he's basically talking about something that just happened a month ago and the strain that it caused his relationship. And I think it's awesome. So, yeah. Props to you, Kanye. Um. So yeah, uh, it's from check out his new album. I, I heard I started listening to the first song. Um, I thought about killing you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> He's just talking. Yeah, it's just really weird to me. I couldn't get to that one. Um, but I'll, I, I mean, I'll go back to it. That was just a couple hours ago that I <laughs> that yeah. I listened to the song. Um, so I'll I'll get back to it. Someone um, said that was the song that. Um, that was written after game one of the NBA finals <laughs> about Kanye and JR. He, he wrote that just in time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we started the song. We started the, the episode with the song owner of a lonely heart by the band. Yes. Um, we have played that song in a different capacity before. It was the, the original demo version. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the version that uh, everyone knows commonly uh, was produced by a man known as the man who invented the 80s. Uh, <laughs> he is um, he has been at the helm of a lot of different genres of music, um, a lot of hit songs and um, if the if the if the eighties producer had a face, it would probably look like him. Yeah, definitely. If they had a sound. Yeah. Um, and you know, so the song we opened with, of course, uh, well, no, not the song we opened with. The song that we thought about opening with, "Video Killed the Radio Star," I think has is one of those. Not just because of its association with MTV, but its sound. Yeah. It's one of those. It is synonymous with the eighties. You know, as much as, you know, Smells Like Teen Spirit is synonymous with the 90s and the grunge movement. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, like, if it if the 80s had a theme song, if it's not the theme song, it's definitely like a, a finalist. And that's what I think. When I, so when I read that before researching him, when I pulled up the article, the man who invented the 80s, I was like, all right, I'll... I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> then you go and look at what he has done and all right. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I think so. <laughs> uh, it was a, um, that particular song. It, it's probably one of the, may, uh, uh, like the kids say low key, low key, <laughs> low key. It's one of the most poignant pop songs ever written to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't really a hit. Well, it was a hit in the UK, but not really in America. Yeah. Um, its significance in America is that it was the the first music video played on MTV. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically mm-hmm. how video 
um, kind of changed how people listen to the radio. And it's it's turned into, I guess, a, a song that can define how um, imagery replaces can replace what you hear or how it can affect what you hear yeah. um, and how technology um, kind of affects how you feel about certain things that from your past. You know, you know, it's I think there's 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 a. There's a little bit to unpack, at least a little bit to unpack as far as the song goes, mm-hmm. as far as what it's what it's mean, meant in a in a bigger picture. But of course, we're talking about the producer musician Trevor Horn. Um, we've also mentioned before with uh, with his work with Yes, he was in the band for an album, yeah. and it nearly ruined the band. <laughs> <laughs> the album that he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lead singer, I believe, it was not very good. Um, so when they went back to, I guess, close to their original lineup, uh, they brought him back as a producer because they did respect that. <laughs> um, even though he has a reputation for being demanding, uh, for overproducing, which Ben is definitely cool with. I'm totally fine with overproduction. <laughs> Um, because he would add noises, uh, like with owner of a lonely heart, uh, he wanted to add, um, he added the, 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 the hits mm-hmm. and the, we calls the whizzes and bangs. <laughs> and then there was the ring mod on the, um, which is just a type of effects pedal, but the ring mod on the guitar solo, Yeah, which it's awesome. Like it's and it's not easy to get a ring mod solo to sound good. I had a ring mod pedal at one point and tried to play that solo, it just didn't sound very good. Yeah, it sounded awful actually. Yeah. Um so uh I guess start with you, Ben. Did you you uh in your in your research, mm-hmm. um what was you know, one of the first things that you noticed as far as uh, his production style or songwriting or anything. Well, it's so I was as I'm listening, and this is kind of how I approach it with most. Um, when we do like a songwriter or producer or or even an album, I try to look for a common thread. Um, I don't think I really heard one. Like he was, he's kind of, and I guess that kind of goes to his ability. So, like you know, looking at the work he did in the '80s some of the work he did in the nineties. And then like I was mentioning that, you know, the tattoo album that he did outside of like big drums, there's not much of like, he's, he can move between genres, between songs to where you can't be like, Oh, he has a sound. It's just a good sound. And so as I was listening, I kept, I was like, or like, I can tell the similarities between what he did with the buggles. Okay. All right. And then the art of noise, Okay, I I hear those tracks are similar, but the art of noise sounds nothing like the Buggles, and vice versa. And so that was kind of one thing I did notice about him. Like, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's it's served him well. He's been able to stay relevant. Whereas a lot of producers, I think the other, the last time a producer we covered that was able to stay relevant for a long time was Rick Rubin. Yeah, Trevor Horn's been able to stay relevant for I guess what th- almost three decades now. Four decades. Four decades. Oh yeah, because okay, yeah, because we're it's 2018 now. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Um, my God, it's 2018. Um, so he's been able to stay relevant for so long. And I have to attribute that to the fact that he just, he keeps changing. And I don't want to say he keeps changing, but he's he's fresh. I like that he's done, um, like with Rick Rubin, mm-hmm. he's worked with a lot of hip-hop artists, mm-hmm. a lot of rock artists. Um, and with Trevor Horn, it, it's kind of the same. He's worked with a lot of with pop artists, country, um, and uh, rock, and a little bit of a little bit of hip hop. But it's probably you have to be from the UK to know <laughs> what hip hop artists he actually worked with, <laughs> and you'd have to actually realize that this person was a hip hop artist, mm-hmm. despite all the other things that he did. Um, so last week <laughs> when I talked about uh, doing an episode on Trevor Horn, mm-hmm. I played Ben uh, a song called Buffalo Gals <laughs> by a guy named Malcolm McLaren. <laughs> now, if you know about Malcolm McLaren, he is known as a music producer, mm-hmm. um, an entrepreneur, and there was another word that... Um, that was used as far as the kind of person he was an impresario. Okay. I like that word. Uh, basically someone who, uh, is like a, he's like a producer, but he'll produce, he'll produce film, television or music, just some, some kind of art. Mm-hmm. So, um, Malcolm McLaren, we, we think of him as a music producer, but he was actually, uh, for a short time, a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and it, I uh, played the track until it got to the part to where you hear him say, two Buffalo gals go around the outside, around the outside, around the outside, <laughs> and immediately brings up the Eminem song, um, which which song was it? Uh, Without me. Yeah, he sounds. Where he it. says two yeah. trailer park girls go round the outside, <laughs> round the outside, round the outside. So I don't know if a lot of people even get. I don't think a lot of people even get that reference. Mm-mm. I also did not get. So as I'm listening to that song, the rah 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 rah. Brownsville. Brownsville. That was in. That's in the uh, American Badass by yeah. Kid Rock. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, wow, okay, that's interesting. And then, of course, two trailer park girls are Buffalo gals. Like, it's, yeah, that was, that can made me laugh. So, yeah. Um, so that is, that, and that, that is Trevor Horn's foray into hip hop, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but he's going to be famously known for working with uh, the Buggles mm-hmm. and Yes and Art of Noise. Um, I think it was like so innovative with Art of Noise because, Basically, you're using samples and drum machines. Like he's using, um, I thought he he wanted to take advantage of all the technology that was available at the time, and use that musically. Mm. Like with Art of Noise, you're using, uh, like it basically it is noise. Yeah, but you're uh, you're using different uh, objects. Or using different things to make sounds like, and and a lot of producers do that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of songwriters do it. Like we talked about with Fleetwood Mac on Rumors, 
where yeah. it wasn't so they used like tissue paper boxes yeah. and they bang on that and that was like the percussion yeah. for a song. <laughs> so um you know, he was a he was a guy that wanted to kind of push that um to like using as far as using technology to make music. And there's nothing wrong with that. I I do think throughout history people have the people that use do that in the moment might be looked down upon, but then later in the future they're looked up. They're like, wow, they were ahead of their time. And that's kind of I feel like what it means to be ahead of your time. And we could say that, you know, this guy was ahead of its time, but I feel like that's what it means to be ahead of your time. Like in the moment we might not understand what you're doing. But, you know, in the long run it might make a little more sense. And I think this was kind of one of those bands. Where like down the road, like I think the Buggles, the work he did with Yes, stuff like that in the moment made sense. At, well, except for the album he did with Yes, I don't think that made sense at the time. But <laughs> so look at um, "Close to the Edit" by Art of Noise. They basically, you know, taking a car starting. Yeah. But you know what this sounds like the beginning of it. When, what year did this come out? So they were active between... This was 1984. So it almost kind of sounds like... like So when you listen to um, some of the industrial rock that comes out, so artists like Trent Reznor, yeah. and even some of the artists before, so like when... Um, and I guess maybe the industrial sounds of this album get downplayed sometimes, but if you think of Rhythm Nation... Like yeah. you hear, you hear some of that influence there. Oh yeah, um, I definitely think that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, uh, this this particular, probably this album, "Who's Afraid of the Art of Noise," mm-hmm. is a major influence on what Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis did with Janet Jackson. Yeah, and and so like you know, and whether or not, and I guess I could honestly, I could just look it up, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone like a Trent Reznor liked Trevor Horn. I'd be curious to know that. I think so. I mean, I would think that um, the the um, probably somebody, probably a group like Art of Noise, who they use they made an album using a computer. Like, yeah. your, your instrument is a computer. And, and that is pushing Trent Reznor. The, the uh, <laughs> Like maximizing what you can do musically, let's let's try something else, mm-hmm. um, and I, that's what Nine Inch Nails eventually became. Because it was basically him, and he would get musicians. He would make yeah. the whole album heavily electronic, um, a little heavier than this, of course, more on the rock side, but very industrial. And when when I when I listened to this, when you see me in that playlist, I heard a lot of the beginnings of what industrial rock using different like you know a snare drum is never a snare drum what can we find on this track to be a snare drum what can we find on this track to be a hi-hat what can we find on this to be a kick drum and that's your drum set it's different every time maybe you accent it with the sounds of a chain or something but it's never the same thing from song to song i think you also say that um i mean it's kind of going around at the they were around the same time but i feel like their approach or Trevor Horn's approach or noise's approach to putting songs together um, 
it's kind of how uh, Martin Gore with Depeche Mode was putting mm-hmm. songs together. Mm-hmm. Um, he would go, they said he would go into a lab, he had a <laughs> producer, they put songs together, they program everything. Mm-hmm. And the song, like the, the song was 90% done mm-hmm. when Dave gets the lyrics. Dave gets the lyrics, <laughs> 90% done. But, and then, you know, when we talked about the 101 documentary, they had these pads, which mm-hmm. had these different sounds. Yeah. Um, so this was something that um, I don't know if a lot of uh, UK prop producers were doing mm-hmm. this, but um, I think someone like Trevor Horn was kind of pushing, um, kind of pushing the boundaries of, of what you can do to make music. Mm-hmm. And you and using all the technology at his disposal. Yeah. Um, which is awesome, by the way. <laughs> uh, what's uh? Is there any anything else that may have that may have stuck out? I knew you said there like there's not a specific like a through line as far as his style. Yeah. But uh, for me, I think using like the songs had a there was some size to these songs they they, sound, mm-hmm. they had like big sounds like a song like owner of a lonely heart it sounds um it's not heavy mm-hmm. but it sounds big yeah does that make sense no i get you well i mean so going forward a little bit the stuff that he did with seal yeah. on seal 2 um which i'd always heard it called seal 2 but i didn't realize it was just literally just called seal again yeah and they called it Seal 2, so don't get confused. Um, the songs on that album sounded big. They had big drums with a lot of reverb on them. Um, and maybe What's that was... example? I'm going to play something. Um, well, I don't want to play it now because we might we oh, yeah. end with it. But uh, well, uh, Kiss from a Rose. Kiss from that. a Rose. You know, it kind of had... Um, kind of was... You know, it was a big song. Um, which, funny enough, I read that he almost... He didn't want to do this song. Still didn't, Still didn't like want to do this song. He yeah. had a demo, but it was a song that he kind of threw away. He said it was on a cassette tape in the corner. <laughs> That's how old this song is, people. Um, but it kind of has a you know kind of a big a big sound like especially going into the chorus. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I see what you say as far as like with the um, owner of a lonely heart. I think what makes owner of a lonely heart big is the riff. Like when the riff starts, it's a very it's a very easy kind of catchy riff, um, almost akin to what you might have heard from Pyromania Hysteria era um, Def Leppard when they were like, "Oh, we're trying to be an arena rock band, All right? How do you be an arena rock band? You make it simple, you make it catchy, you make it memorable, and that's what he did with Owner of a Lonely Heart. And up until then, I can't think of anything Yes had done." that was that big you know like yeah. they were known as a prog rock band they weren't known as a band that you know would chug away on to quote guitar one magazine used to read like a four four type da 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 like that's a very simple line steve howe wouldn't have written that line <laughs> trevor um uh, trevor rabin right yeah wrote that riff if steve howe's still there steve howe's not writing that riff I've heard the stuff that Steve Howe did, and it was, you know, I'm not going to say it was overly complex, but you could tell that he was in a prog band. Trevor Rabin's like, let's let's do this, and I'm pretty sure Trevor Horn's like, 
And with the, yeah. well, I guess with the composition of that song, even though, yes, I know Seal is playing right now, but yes. uh, with Owner of a Lonely Heart, like I said, adding those, those whizzes and bangs, as mm-hmm. Trevor Horn called it, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was being experimental, which I feel like prog rock is, is. A lot of it is experimental. A lot of songs are they're going to be like nine, ten minutes long. Yeah. But especially but older you're prog. you're creating a like an atmosphere with sound. Mm-hmm. And even with these these short sounds, you're still doing that. Yeah. And I think that makes the song what it is. Um, I don't like what uh, from where we lived in Rao, uh, our friends David. Uh, he played that song. He's like, oh, I hate that part. Like the the de- 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 like he's like, I I hate that part. Otherwise, the song is good. I love that part. It's <laughs> it's kind of what makes the song, mm. and it's so eighties. Like all of those sounds, the the orchestral hits, it's so eighties. Yeah. Like it's like what else is? Oh, I just love it. <laughs> um, with this particular song, there is a. I, they're still the the big sound, yeah. Especially with the background vocals, mm-hmm. are a major part of it. The the strings, um, and then this part right here. Is it? Yeah, it just yeah. And I'm not even to really because I know this is a song that is probably in. And the pantheon of pop music been discussed hundreds of times, and there's probably not much yeah. we can say that has not been said about it. Right. <laughs> but like that part right there, it's just like it's a huge song in the buildup. Like you have, it's just it's so orchestral, and it's got the strings behind it, the heavy reverb on the on his voice, which you hear you hear reverb on voices all the time. But there's something to be said about it when you have a big buildup and then a stop. And then you get to hear that reverb on the voice, kind of like you're in a big arena. Yeah. Or you're in a big you're in a big concert hall. There's something to be said about doing that, and I'm pretty sure that was done intentionally. <laughs> to you know, did they know it's going to be using Batman Forever? I don't know, but there's something to be said about that hard stop, and then you have the where the strings kind of the strings crescendo. They they hit. And then they kind of come back in softly to almost kind of accent the the reverberation on his voice. So I'm pretty sure that was done on purpose. Um, I think what uh, he he's also uh, every every song like that's on the the playlist, and we'll and we'll have that um, on our Facebook page when you hear this episode. Uh, Every song, no matter if it was a single or not, uh, it's something that you, it draws attention to itself by how big it, how the, the, he's creating, uh, like a, it's like you're in a bubble Mm -hmm. of, of sound and it, and everything seems or feels just a little bit louder than you would expect it to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, a song like Kiss from a Rose, you know, I think with if it doesn't have the string, that's not the same. Probably not. If it doesn't have the um the background vocals as they're as they're put in, if if it's done differently, it it just won't Mm-mm. it won't feel the same. 
And I imagine if it doesn't have the the opening, the yeah, like it's probably. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was. Hey, throw that in there because that's something that a producer would probably say. Like it probably just starts out with, you know, him going into the song, and he's like, "No, let's give him, let's give him a hook, let's give him something to remember." And they basically just kind of base it off of do 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 do, just hum that, just sing that at the beginning. Uh, another band that he worked with um, to where there's potential for songs to be pretty anthemic. Um, he's known for, he, he produced relax mm-hmm. for Frankie goes to Hollywood. He produced the, the album and it was just these, um, he made, he made the, he made that song what it is of like relax. Mm-hmm. He made that song what it is. To where, um, it's this anthemic sound, and it's kind of like this. It, it provides this energy that you can't really. It would be hard to replicate with someone else. Um. <laughs> 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 uh, so I'll I'll play uh, relax. Um, it just stays on that one bass note too. Doom, yeah. Doom. <laughs> yeah, and it does. It starts out big, kind of sounded like it's very atmospheric. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Very, you can clap your hands like you can have an arena just clapping their hands. Yes. Like, yeah. Is there a such thing as arena pop? I don't know. Um. I'm sure there is. I'd have to look and see. I think, I think that's what Fallout Boy was trying to do, arena pop, because their music's not necessarily rocking. It's what rock has turned into, but yeah. I love that part. And it's very big and catchy chorus too. Yeah. What year was this? Nineteen eighty. Year of our Lord. <laughs> the year of our Lord. Nineteen eighty three. Yeah, nineteen eighty three. Released on nineteen eighty three. Album came out uh, nineteen eighty four. Shortly after. It's a scary album cover. Huh. Did they ever make it to Hollywood? <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. For a little while. They stayed for a little while. But it's just creating that 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 big a big sound to like put you in this in this bubble and then, you know, if uh everything else it's almost a letdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um and he just continued to push this big sound and you know maybe accused of overproduction which I know you're a fan of mm-hmm. um, and all it being um, it gives a, a, a an orchestral and cinematic feel um, he even did this with uh, we did this with Seal a lot uh, but even with like if anyone remembers the duo Tattoo <laughs> I do um 
all the things she said had that um it, it gave that feeling even though it's running through my head <laughs> yeah um and where were they from again they're from russia right i think i think so yeah Trying to find the um, yeah, two hundred kilometers per hour in the wrong lane. <laughs> What's the name of the album? Which is you just know that's not American. <laughs> um, well, a cruiser with uh, with Frankie goes to Hollywood with their album. Um, even though he's worked with a lot of different artists, a lot of musicians describe his style of production as dominating. Mm. On Freaky Goes to Hollywood's album, Welcome mm-hmm. to the Pleasure Dome. Uh, Trevor Horn and other session musicians played most of the instruments. Um, and the song Relax by itself cost 70,000 pounds, they said pounds, to uh, to make after three different sessions and some a couple of scrapped versions of the song. So Trevor Horn re-recorded the song by himself. That's pretty dope. <laughs> so he did everything on that song and made it what it was. Um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, he kind of, uh, noticed kind of pushing other, uh, artists to do something a little bit kind of it's kind of like making yourself go beyond of what you've done before mm-hmm. and it gives you something um, like I said these songs draw attention to themselves yeah uh, because they have the the big the they sound so big um, and he's done that with other different artists as well like he did uh, can't fight the moonlight yeah, Leanne well, Rhymes and he, says, so he did There You'll Be with Faith Hill as well yeah. from the from Pearl Harbor um, <laughs> but I mean if you think about it you know with his longevity this is these are some of the characteristics we talked about with Rick Rubin who yeah. would push people to do like you can do better you can do better unconventional ways I'm going to be hard on you I mean it seems like you know the more we do this that is the sign of a good producer not someone who's just there to to be a hired ear or to like mic your instruments correctly, you know? Well, what we've, what producer has been, um, this is a part of producer being a music producer that I don't know. You don't hear a lot about cause it sounds like it sounds negative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a producer is only supposed to have like good vibes and you know, or whatever. But, um, with, like we said, with Rick Rubin, he'll, he wants to push the, like if I'm working with this artist, mm-hmm. um, I want them to do better than the best thing they've done. Yeah, I want them to do better than that. Um, I I should see the same thing with Trevor Horn. Like, okay, you guys have done this, but clearly, I can I I believe I can take you to the next level, mm-hmm. and this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um. Because with these songs on this list, it's probably the most successful songs that these people, these artists have had. Yeah. And if they end up working with somebody else, will they get the same? Will they get the same thing? You know, or it could be they just go back to them. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, they, uh, they, that's what Seal's done. Yeah, Seal, Seal went right back to him um, because I think he did. Uh, he did crazy. Yeah, with Seal and uh, Kiss from a Rose, Waiting for You. That's a good Love's song. Divine. Waiting for You is such a good song. So, um, even Paul McCartney gave him a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grace Jones. So. He wants he. Uh, no one talks about that aspect of a producer as far as like pushing the artist. Yeah. Today it's more of beat maker. Beat maker, and then I'll also hear a lot about how oh they came up with this new technique, yeah. um, on how they did this, which is cool. That's I, I feel like that's more of an engineer type thing yeah. than anything. Like a a true producer is really like they're there to really help you creatively. If anything, that's why George Martin was known as the fifth Beatle, because he would try to come up with different ways for them to, you know, like different ideas. And so, like, if you're a really good producer, when you're in there, you're almost like a fifth member of the band to where you're helping them with songwriting. You're helping them with arrangement, because let's be real. A lot of artists aren't the best, like songwriters aren't the best at arranging. Like you can, you have a good idea, but like it's just all, everything's in the wrong place. Well, and, <laughs> and a lot of producers, you're, I look at it as the producer. You're collaborating with the artist, but in constructing a song, you're. It's like you're directing a film. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where you can put your, you know, any signature you may have on it, and also, you know, if you're. You want the artist to project something in particular mm-hmm. for this song, so and, they, and then it comes to like people management. Like, how do you <laughs> like how do you get them to that point? What you need them to do, yeah. You know, um, and maybe in some cases, uh, Trevor Horn is expecting the song to sound a certain way and he's not getting it from the musician so what he does will he take it about himself he goes and plays himself <laughs> he Thanos is that thing man I do it myself <laughs> LeBron James is it I'm going to stop, I'm stop. <laughs> um, but and that what's funny though is like that's the other side of that of that um, <laughs> that's the other side of that personality um, especially if you're somebody like a Trevor Horn who not only can play all of the instruments, but you can play them well. So like, it's not like I dabble in these instruments. Actually, I can play them well enough to actually put together a song by myself. So if y'all ain't acting right, I can do this myself (laughs) and it'll still get on the album. So that's just, you know, that's, that's the other kind of like, if you're not like Rick Rubin can't do that, you know, and that's kind of another wrinkle that someone like a Trevor Horn could add. And I, and I would almost assume that's maybe why, maybe a lot of people did not want to hire somebody like a, um, like a Prince. Cause Prince has that thing, like where he would, he pushes you. He's like, I'm good. You need to be good. You know, yeah. anything he produced, he typically played everything on it. Um, IE the song he did with Stevie Nicks, where, um, he basically what she called him and he drove. There. Oh, with the, uh, stand back. Yeah. Because she liked little red Corvette so yeah. much. Um, they, she kind of interpolated it. He came in. He was there in 30 minutes. <laughs> play keyboards. They finished the song and 
use guard, like a thief in the night. <laughs> and so I imagine that's why it like someone like that who pushes, pushes, pushes. All right, you're not doing it good enough for me. I'll get in there and do it. Which is funny to hear that about Trevor Horn. You know that he was just like, all right, yeah, I'll, mm-hmm, I'm good. You're you're not needed right now. <laughs> you know, and it makes me wonder if he is the type of person who maybe feels that like he works better alone. <laughs> Because with those sorts of personalities and people, you, they're like, yeah, actually, I work better alone. As far as, like, finishing the song, mm-hmm. it seemed that, that that's that's what he's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's worked alone the yeah. most as far as, like, I'll, I'll finish the song or, uh, you know, it's kind of rare for it's even very, I don't know when the last time it's actually happened to where for a particular mm-hmm. album, there's one producer. One producer who worked on all the songs. Yeah. You know, there may be different songwriters, but there was one guy who had the last word on what was <laughs> on what this album is going to sound like. And I would say on just about every credit I've looked at of his where he produced a song, he was the producer. I don't know who he worked with as far as engineers and things like that, but like he was the producer. So, um, it kind of just goes to show that that's probably just his thing. Like I work alone, you know, like you can write the song, but when it comes to the vision and the production and, you know, everything like that, I'm, I, I got this, you know, I'll play as many instruments on it as I need to, which I'm looking at the credits for, um, seal two. Uh, I don't see, it doesn't show me what he played. Um, but I would be surprised if he played some stuff. But he seems a little different because I like, you know, thinking of the last. So, we've, you know, we discussed Rick Rubin. We've discovered we discussed um, now Rogers and Bernard Edwards. You know, they they weren't necessarily like that. They, you know, Bernard, now Rogers at certain points sound like he was just happy to be there. I think know? in their case. Um, other artists wanted that sound. Yeah. Like, I want my songs to be like, like that. that. Yeah. And they're like, OK. So let, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's get let's in there. We'll make another let's chic do song. Something. Yeah. So, the, so <laughs> and with and the way that and uh, Niles Nile Rogers had a uh, a signature guitar sound. Mm-hmm. So you would recognize if he produced it right yeah. away a lot of the times. And you know that was that was other artists wanting to work with him. Mm-hmm. In this case you probably had to convince someone that <laughs> Trevor Horn, Horn is the, the guy best, you yeah. want. <laughs> You're like, like this is the right guy. The Buggles? <laughs> you mean that dude that's making sounds with like pipes from the art of noise? Like, yeah. But then, and that's where, <coughs> you know, it comes back to like, when I, there's a producer, I try to find the common, but you know, kiss from a rose does not sound like video kill the radio star. No. Does not sound like the art of noise. Doesn't sound like um, you know anything by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Granted, I get it; it's a different era, but also nothing from that album sounds like anything from the Tattoo album um, or any of the other. Like he produced a, you know, maybe it sounds like some of the John Legend stuff, the John Legend song he did on, I think it was Evolver. Yeah, he did. Uh, if you're out there, and yeah. uh, this time. But it's it's just like there's not a lot of overlap, you know. It's just like he brings. He it just seems like he's pretty good at finding the sound for that artist, and yeah. then making it better, or just you know putting his own like, all right, well here's how you sound, and we're gonna take it up a notch. 
Yeah, he's in a way like he's trying to um not not a comparison, but it just reminded me of like the way Ludacris writes songs. Mm-hmm. He wants on his album, he wants every song to be a single. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wants them all to be singles. So with Trevor Horn, if he's brought in to produce your song, he's expecting it to be on, on the radio mm-hmm. or, you know, he's, he's expecting it to be a single. So he wants it to sound a certain way to where it would draw, like basically draw the song draws attention to itself mm-hmm. because of how it sounds. And it's a single, it's going to be on the radio. So that's what you're bringing me in to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, you know, this is what you need to do, or this is what I think you need to do at mm-hmm. least. Um, and then in other cases, he'll, he'll be, you know, experimental and he'll try different, um, try different things. Uh, I'm trying to find the song he did with, uh, uh, Bell and Sebastian to where like, this is something more recent. This is 2003, but this is the song that I heard a lot. And, um, see, this is it. It's sparse, but then it's not. <laughs> Bell and Sebastian. I didn't. I feel like this was in a Fairly Brothers movie. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> What's the name of this song again? Step Into My Office, Baby. So this is like one of those songs where like this could have been uh, this could have been some very minimal production with somebody else. It could have been just uh, uh, your basic I don't want to say basic but this could have been your guitar, bass and drums. Mm-hmm. But he adds in some, some keyboards he adds in some strings. Mm-hmm. He does a, a little bit uh, extra with the with the vocals, with the background vocals, and it sounds bigger than yeah. maybe you would expect it to be, and maybe for some people more than it needed to be. <laughs> but and there's nothing wrong with that. What did what did it get, Bell and Sebastian? This song was used in uh, probably a few commercials, mm-hmm. probably a couple of films, you know. And this kind of established them as, you know, some indie darlings. Yeah, on the, on the album Dear Catastrophe Wait- Waitress. And, of course, the entire album produced by Trevor Horn. See? It's like, you know, I, I, don't need, I don't need no help. I don't need no yeah. help. <laughs> he got it himself. Um, one thing that was interesting to me also is that the an era of music that that's not really talked about too much. Because it, I think it just gets lumped into what um, what it was, like if you remember the term post disco. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that any 
anything that sounded a little bit like disco, but it came out after that uh, disco sucks night at that baseball game. <laughs> so uh, anything after that is post disco, but it's still kind of disco. But I think I said before, like disco only died in America. Yeah. <laughs> it, it evolved everywhere else around the world. Um, but I think his work with, uh, with ABC, mm. uh, we talked about ABC as far as, um, it being part of the Sophistapop. Yeah. But with their, with their hits like Poison Arrow or The Look of Love, um, it, you can say it, it, sound, it sounds like if the Buggles had a different lead singer. <laughs> <laughs> After you get the feeling of, and, um, you know, to where, I don't know, I maybe you could to let me know about this, but I'm going to play uh, Poison Arrow. And I know Trevor Horn is a bassist. Mm-hmm. Does he, like, bring up the bass a little more because that's his instrument? Or do you think producers do something like that to where if it's an instrument they normally play... They might bring it up a little bit more in the mix than something else. Maybe. I mean, so you're asking a guitar player who (laughs) the old adage about guitar players is like, we're never too loud. So (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, when I'm playing, when I'm recording, yeah, I might, the guitar might be a little bit louder when I'm performing. The guitar might be a little bit louder because I want to hear it. Um, But I think for this type of music, though, it just works. Like it just this type of, like especially with a baseline like this just kind of works but yes i mean it's not it's not too high in the mix it, it sounds good it sounds good although we are listening to it on headphones too so yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is I, I i mean curious i don't know how they mixed back then if they use studio monitors if they use headphones I can say for a fact it's typically not a good idea to mix with headphones because then when you take everything off, everything sounds like I don't hear the bass at all. It's like, <laughs> and then you turn it, you turn it up. So, unless you have Jason Newstead in your band, and then you then turn, turn it all, all the way, way down. down. Yep. <laughs> um. So that was one thing I wondered because well, I was I was listening on the headphones and really that he. Um, produce that song. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if. Uh, oh, that was my phone. Mr. Popularity. I'm just getting notifications that people are doing live videos on Instagram. Oh. I, I don't care. <laughs> um, I, I yeah, I just wonder if like producers do that with their. <laughs> I have I've brought up my own instruments, but then again, now that I think about it too. Um, I think like thinking of like someone like Chris, I think he brings his vocals up. <laughs> it's like, uh, you need to take those down to the mix. I, I don't think so. No, uh, uh. <laughs> Matt, bring the guitar. Guitar's really loud. But then again, when he did do his, some stuff that he sang on, um, he said he brought it down to the mix just because he didn't want anyone to hear his singing. So he really, he auto tuned the hell out of it too. I didn't think it sounded that bad. Matt Bannister sounds really good with auto tune. Yeah. Um, there's another one. I well, I know we played we played it before, but we can play it again. A video killed the radio star. I was listening to this today, 
and I felt like it was the same thing to where he brought the bass the ba- up. Okay, now the bass in this is very high. Okay. I will say the bass is... <laughs> okay, so I wasn't, I wasn't tripping. He was probably very satisfied, too, with his bass line. <laughs> like, his whole, like, song speeds up on that bass line. <laughs> like, it speeds... I'm like, he was probably very pleased with it. <laughs> well, and he I'll was younger, too. Yeah. yeah. He brought that down, that synth down. There you go. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was very proud of that bass line. <laughs> and it's not a bad bass line, but I just feel like he was so proud of it. <laughs> oh, he's like, I gotta turn this up. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, no, you, you are not... Yeah. You're not hallucinating here. The bass is very high in this one. But I think it helps make the song what it is. No, it's a good it's a good yeah. bass line. So I mean maybe that's why he brought it up, but I think he just liked it. He was very proud <laughs> of it, I think. More impressive too, he you know, before I realized yeah, he is the bass player. He's playing and singing that bass line, which is not very easy to do. So, you know, kind of a, yeah. I like this song, though. And this part here, too. A lot of different instruments in there. That's the yeah. first guitar we hear in the song. <laughs> and I feel like that was an uncommon thing. What, with Trevor Horn? Well, just in general, in to the have the, the, like, if you're going to have guitar that late in the song. Yeah. Well, I will say, too, and this is interesting, something I never thought about, although this was released in 79, but um, not a lot of chorus on the guitar, which is a very 80s thing, to put chorus on your guitars a la um, oh God what's his name Eddie Van Halen who basically kind of is credited with every single session guitar player you heard in the 80s was basically mimicking his sound um, but you didn't hear it there but then again you didn't hear a lot of guitar in, that, in this song either so that's probably why <laughs> uh, it might have confused people too <laughs> like yeah. um, to where like what kind of what kind of band is this? Yeah. <laughs> so where the guitar player, if there's a guitar player, he's just kind of standing there waiting his turn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 there we go. All right. Don't mess it up. Yeah. Um, there was another, so like I had never heard of this band. It's called dollar. Yeah. I saw that too. I didn't know who they were. Uh, but it's like these songs kind of have the same, they kind of have that same, same big sound too, or post disco. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds it sounded kind of like um, some of the um, like a cross between ABC and Depeche Mode a little bit. Yeah. Just very synth heavy. They might or might not have a drummer. 
you're like, man, that this. I mean, it's of course it is '80s, but I mm-hmm. felt like like wow, this would have been something. I felt oh, you felt like it should have been something. Mm-hmm. I was like, but I had never heard of them. I figured it was something. I just never heard of them. Uh, this is Videotech. Okay, yeah, I remember this one from listening to it. I love that percussion too. Yeah. But you can, so you hear some of it there too. Like he's using some of the accents, like the, yeah. ch- ch- like just going into that chorus. Yeah. He likes the noises. I, I think the the vocals leave something to be desired. So he did what he could. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just having, just wanting to have that. Uh, but yeah, you know, just have this, you know, another with the big sound like we're trying to. Uh, I want this to. If you're making music, mm-hmm. you want it to be music that people that you want people to hear, mm-hmm. right? Unless you're a bedroom DJ, which is, that's a totally different kind of person. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and I think that, I think that was his ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. That was his ultimate goal. I, if I'm going to produce your music, you want people to hear this, right? Mm-hmm. So let's make something that people want to listen to. Yeah. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. He had his own methods. <laughs> he may not think you're not playing well enough. He's like, just get, get out. I got this. <laughs> I, I will say to a degree too. I think he not only did he want people to listen to it, but it had to be something I think he liked as well. Yeah, like that's that is something like you don't want to, as a musician or as a producer, I should say, if you're recording a song, you don't have to listen because in the course of recording this song, you might it. Who knows how long it might take you to finish it? Yeah, you could conceivably listen to this song over a hundred times. Um, you don't want to do that with a bad song, so you want to make sure it's at least something you like to hear. Um, and then, you know, one thing I'm, I'm thinking of too, you could also have sometimes paralysis through by analysis, like you're overthinking it. And I wouldn't be surprised if with all of the sounds he has in there, he's listening like, oh, you know, I can put something else in here. There was a sound in here. Oh, you know, like the 60th time, you know what? Right here. Let's put something right here. It seems a little empty yeah. here. Fill the space, fill the space, fill the space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until you just, you know, you have all these crazy sounds. It's just like, it started out very minimalist and then... You've got a bunch of different sounds that we cannot possibly reproduce live. <laughs> Don't know how we're going to do this. Um, yeah, we we can't program this into our keyboards. Not like the Pesh Mode did. Um, we just got to play the track with the wall pads. <laughs> yeah, we could just play the track. Um, Jay, anything else that that may have stuck out to you that you want to add about um, what you've heard with with this particular producer? Nothing that I can think of um, outside of just the the one that we you know we said we're going to close with, but nothing I can think of. No. All right, and, and just to give you an idea of other artists he's worked with, like he worked with Yes. Uh, he says that nine zero one two five is his best work. That album is his best work. Okay, that's. I mean, I'm trying to think what's on that one. That has Owner of a Lonely Heart and Leave It. Okay, yeah, that's that. That is a very. It's a very polished album, which is, you know, what he did with Bell and Sebastian. I was reading. He gave them a polished sound. Yeah. This is a very polished album. Um, as we previously mentioned, he worked with Tattoo. Uh, 
He also produced Not Gonna Get Us, the other single by Tattoo, if you're wondering. Uh, he's worked with Tina Turner, Simple Minds, of course, Seal, Robbie Williams, Pet Shop Boys, Paul McCartney, uh, Lisa Stansfield, Leanne Rimes, John Legend, uh, and of course, ABC and Art of Noise. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that would do it for our uh, conversation about Trevor Horn. Um, uh, yeah, I went from not knowing who he was to knowing a lot about him. I always yeah. wonder, like, who is Trevor Horn? Like, it's on the list. I'm like, who is Trevor Horn? Like, <laughs> what has he done? <laughs> now I know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, so, we'll get to my earworm of the week. Uh, this was a song from... When this album come out, I know it's fairly recent. Uh, it came out uh, almost a month ago, or about a month ago, I guess you'd say. Um, it was hard to get into an artist like Leon Bridges because all his music just sounded like from it was from the '60s, and it kind of it was kind of a turnoff because <laughs> it's like okay, he's just. He's trying to get the hipster crowd, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I heard this song, and um, it reminded me of the contemporary jazz I grew up listening to. And it didn't sound like he was trying to emulate a sound. So that's what it's, that's what his earlier music sounded like to me. Mm-hmm. He was just trying to emulate it and it wasn't that attractive, but with something like this, uh, with the song I heard, um, recently, um, it's still like the bluesy sound he's going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just more palatable to me. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, this is Leon Bridges from his recent album, good thing. And it's called bad, bad news. And we're going to play that Turn it up here. And uh, we'll be right back. Let me slip through. Let me slip through. Why you trying to hold me back? Hey. I'm just trying to move. 
is Bad Bad News by Leon Bridges from his album Good Thing. It's also been added to the We Lit playlist. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so uh, that brings us to the end of our program. That is old sounding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Alright, so uh, Ben... Can you tell the people where we can be found? Yes, I can. So, um, if you're listening to us, um, how'd you find us? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if you listen to, actually, you know what? If you are listening to us, let us know how you found us. Um, that way we can kind of know where our bread is being buttered, I guess, if you will. Mm. Yeah, that'd be good to know. Um, normally we're on Facebook live and I would look at the camera and be like, Hey, but we're not on Facebook live, but we do go on Facebook Live sometimes, so check us out there. You can find us at Facebook.com slash By The Time You Hear This. Our website, By The Time You Hear This dot com. Um, if you want to find us on Instagram, we are at By The Time You Hear This. Um, the website is spelled with the word you, Y-O-U, as well as our Facebook page. The Instagram, as well as our email at gmail.com, is spelled By The Time You Hear This with the letter U, and that is because... We're upstanding. Yes, we are. We're not underage. No, we're not. And we're not under investigation. Nope. So stay away, R. Kelly, and stay away, Mr. Trump. <laughs> stay back. Um, just stay back. <laughs> um, if you want to listen to us on the go, which if you're listening to us, you probably are, unless you're one of those people that, well, I guess what sits at the office and listens to podcasts on your um, on your desktop computer or whatever. I don't know. I'm sure someone does that. Yeah, it's a little obnoxious. Well, well, they use earbuds. I'm if sure. Use, well, yeah. If you're using earbuds, okay. But if you're just playing, it's just a it little and... weird because, like, okay, you not through the, um, you know what? And the speakers, okay. Rob in the cubicle, cubicle next. He was like, "Can you turn that down, please?" You're like, "No." By the time you hear this podcast, I won't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but if you are listening to a computer, please use earbuds. Don't be obnoxious. Um, if you're listening to us from the go, we can be found on Podomatic. Uh, we can be found on iTunes, the Apple um, Podcast Player, um, in the iTunes Store. We can be found on Google Play Music, the Orange Triangle. If you've got um, an Android device, which hopefully by the end of this year I'll have the S9 or whatever phone that Samsung's rolling out. Boo. I'll be back on that train. Um, Listen Notes, which I did do a search for Sons of Soul, and it came up. So go on Listen Notes. You can find some stuff, um, really just about any subject that you're interested in. And if you search for us, you'll find us. Um, we're on, oh yeah, Castbox, Overcast, Auto Radio, TuneIn Radio, Satchel Podcast Player, where you can also find podcasts produced in your area, um, and really any other podcast aggregate app or website. I'm sure you can find us there. Give us a listen; we appreciate it. If you're on iTunes or Google Play, give us a review. We'd love to hear that as well. Um, drop us a line at the email address. Um, any way you want to reach out to us, really reach out to us and touch us. All right. Uh, that'll bring us to the end, of course. So Ben, why don't you tell us about, uh, the song that we were going to close the show with? So this was the second song I'd ever heard from seal. It's called don't cry It's beautiful. Um, if I remember correctly, it's very it's in the similar vein, which makes sense because it's from the same album as Kiss from a Rose. Um, it's just it's it's just different. 
but not too different. Like it's still kind of got the same kind of time feel and instrumentation and strings and everything. The drums sound a little bit bigger. Um, and there's some nice little harmonies similar to kiss from Rose towards the end, but they are two distinctively different songs. Um, and you know, after reading up on Trevor Horn, learning about what he's produced and then seeing that this was one of those songs, you know, just kind of made me respect him even more. All right. So that's what we'll close the uh, show with here. Don't cry by seal. And we'll talk to you guys very, very soon. Peace. Peace.